0: Before I do the call to worship this morning, just in case some of you are tuning us in for the first time on Channel 8, um, Debbie and I are practicing social distancing. You see, we're married, and in fact, tomorrow is our 35th wedding anniversary. So just don't worry about that. Um, And now, hear this call to worship, this Psalm of David. I will bless Yahweh, who has counseled me. Indeed, my mind instructs me in the night. I have set Yahweh continually before me, and because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad, and my glory rejoices. My flesh also will dwell securely, for thou wilt not Abandon my soul to Sheol, the place of the dead. Neither wilt thou allow thy Holy One to undergo decay. Thou wilt make known to me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. And in thy right hand there are pleasures forever. What's amazing about this is it foretells the resurrection of Christ. And it was written a thousand years before it happened. So on this Easter Sunday, let's continue to worship singing number 268. Christ the Lord is risen today. Amen. Lord God, we have gathered here this morning. Um, Just a virtual crew, but recognizing that in this day and age there will be people who will be watching and and listening in. And we are just so filled with joy over your very person and and what you have done in your son Jesus Christ, the God-man, and that he died so that we could be forgiven and reconciled to you, our sins covered over, And then he rose on the third day, the first day of the week, which is actually the eighth day of the week. And it's now the day that we worship you in your church, remembering every single week that Jesus Christ is alive. And because he's alive, we can have life. And there is no greater joy than to give all worship, honor, praise, and glory to you and your Son in the Holy Spirit, Amen. Amen. Okay, well, now we'll go right to uh, our prayer of confession. And um, I found this once when I was uh, visiting our, our mother church, and it's perfectly appropriate for this day. Almighty God, in raising Jesus from the grave, you shattered the power of sin and death. We confess that we remain captive to doubt and fear, bound by the ways that lead to death. Lord, bring new life when we are worn and tired, new love where we have turned hard-hearted, forgiveness where we feel hurt and where we have wounded and the joy and freedom of your Holy Spirit, where we are prisoners of ourselves. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. And now uh, we will continue to worship, singing um, a couple of more songs all about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen. And now we will have the reading of the scripture for this morning.
1: The scripture reading is 1 Peter 1 3 through 12. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled, and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this, you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials, that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. As to this salvation, The prophets who prophesied of the grace that would come to you made careful search and inquiry, seeking to know what person or time the Spirit of Christ within them was indicating as he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you in these things which now have been announced to you through those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, Things into which angels look long to look.
0: Amen. Now let us pray. Three in one, God, we bless thee and thank you that the cross was in your great plan before even one particle of physical matter had been created by you. In your infinite wisdom and knowledge, you knew that it was only a matter of time before we chose ourselves over you, even after you had warned us. Your plan to rescue us from the death we chose for ourselves was to die for us yourself as one of us. And yet, when you lived among us as a man, you were perfect. And we thank you because your sacrifice of love for us and also the power of you that brought you back to a glorified life, all of this has made it possible for our imperfections to be covered over so that we can be adopted by you as brothers and sisters of the Savior, your Son, Jesus Christ, and to have the extreme joy of new life in him and being in him and fearing you in recognition of your awesome power. We have no need to fear. Your perfect love has cast out from us all fear. So therefore, especially on this day, we pray for the multitudes around the world in the grip of fear because of this pandemic we are going through. May we all be candles of light, hope, joy, peace, and your love to them. And may they see the risen Savior in us and then ask us the reason for our hope. And may we respond in gospel words given to us by the Holy Spirit. The king has died, the king has risen, and the king is coming again. And we also thank you that the leaders of your church around the world and all of your people are acting in ways to promote and save lives. We pray a special blessing on the hundreds of, of Samaritan's Purse workers who rushed to New York City to open an overflow hospital. They are risking their lives as Jesus gave his life so that hundreds, maybe thousands, may continue to live and even perhaps receive his resurrection life. And we pray for all the leaders all around the world. And Father, we also pray for our nation and our president, Donald Trump. I saw on TV yesterday in great humility he asked for prayer that the decision he has to make at the end of this month, and in his own words, this is the toughest decision I've ever had to make in my life. We pray for him that it will be the right one the one that you have given to him. And please um, just help us to accept that what is happening through our leaders, as it says in Romans, it's from you. And also be with the 50 state governors, because it may be that the lifting of these safety measures will be done to some extent on a state-by-state basis. So please give Governor Baker and the other 49 governors' wisdom to decide what you have decided. And further also, we pray for our business leaders and the multitudes of millions who are now unemployed. Please be with them right now at this moment. Give them what they need. And in the days ahead, may they choose right. May they just choose right. This is about life, Father, which is the most important gift you've given us. And we pray for our church members. Even though we may be confined and in isolation, may every member of this church be blessed, either through Channel 8 or the website. I'm so grateful to hear that so many are calling each other on the phone. That is something that we have at all times And Father, I even thank you um, that people are sending each other little notes of encouragement in the mail. And so may we just continue to stay in touch all of these ways that we're not so used to. And above all, may we hold on to the hope of the cross and the resurrection by faith, by faith, Faith in you and your strong love. And now, Father, we just thank you that Jesus left a perfect prayer for his followers. I've been praying it a lot and getting so much out of it. Each, each phrase can result in a minute or two of additional prayer. But we will just say it now as our Savior gave it to us. Our Father, who art in heaven, And now before we dig deeper into God's word and and the glories of the cross and the resurrection, let's sing this uh, Boomer Easter song, the Easter song. Ah, Amen. That's such a great and glorious anthem about such a great and glorious truth. Uh, it, It is the gospel. Well, it seems to me that everyone loves Easter. Now this year, because of all that is happening, uh, it's my understanding that all the stores are closed today, which is unusual in the last decade, but this is, this is good. Now for some, Easter is mostly about spring, as God's creation is blooming again, it's coming back to life, everything is new. And also, maybe a little bit about some sweets and chocolates. And for many others, however, Easter is celebrating the resurrection life of Jesus the Savior. But neither of these reasons for Easter is fully adequate. You see, God built a principle into life on this earth after the initial rebellion when people rebelled against him and paradise was lost. And this principle runs through everything, and this principle is death must precede life. Now, Without the cross and the death of Jesus on the Passover Friday 2,000 years ago, there is no resurrection. There is no hope of new birth. There is no hope of new life in the Savior. So that begs the critical question, what happened on the cross? Why is the cross so important? Well, Jesus gave a hint of this on the Thursday before the Passover when he was in the temple courts. You see, the two people with Greek names, Philip and Andrew, brought some Greeks to Jesus. And what he said to them is this, unless a seed falls into the ground and dies, it will not produce many more seeds. Again, out of the death of that one seed comes a multitude of other seeds. And then he further explained the cross after they had celebrated the Passover on Thursday evening, which was really the beginning of Friday, according to the Jews. So after they had completed the entire Passover Seder, Jesus brought two more elements into that feast as he initiated and gave us the sacrament of communion. The first of these two was he took some bread, he blessed God, he thanked God for it, and then he said, this bread is my body broken for you all given for you all and then secondly next he took a cup of wine and he said this cup is the new covenant of my blood and we must remember leviticus the life of the creature is in the blood this is my life poured out for you all for everyone who can receive it and then We must also remember, and I'm not going to expound upon it, I I do recommend to you all, when you have a chance, read most of John chapter 6. Read it, reread it prayerfully, and let God bring this truth to you, what it's about. But he had said to the Jews who were gathered around him, and they could not receive it, they rebelled against them, and they walked away, all except for Peter and the rest of the apostles. And I'll just give you the essence of it. What he is saying is, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. That's why the cross, The body and life of Jesus given for us is so, so, so important. (sighs) Now, what does this mean for us some 2,000 years later after all of these events happened? Here is the bottom line. Unless we die, We crucify our sins. What are sins? I think people have the wrong idea. I think they think it means everybody's horrible. A sin is any way in which we fall short of the perfection of God. All have sinned and come short of his glory. Unless we crucify these sins all the times we fall short of what God desires for us and who he is unless we do this with Christ who died on the cross for our sins I'm telling you scripture says it's impossible to share in his resurrection life all of this is entailed in the cross all of this is why this is necessary before we can celebrate this day And we heard in our scripture, doing this necessarily requires pain and suffering. The only way to know Jesus is to be united with Him. Okay? If we want to be united with Him in His life, which is what Easter is all about, we must first die with Him to our sins. Then we share this resurrection life of his Easter. However, and this broke my heart, but I believe I must say this. If we do not know Jesus at all, we will suffer for our own innate incompetency. It's all about knowing Jesus. I'll develop that more later. But um, if we do know him, and taking into account what I've said, we're ready now to go to our passage, dig into it, and look at the extreme joy, the extreme joy of the resurrection life that is available to us in Savior Jesus. So, our passage breaks into three parts, a beginning, a middle, and the end. The first part says, Father God is blessed for giving us new life through his resurrected son, and then he will protect us through faith all the way to the end. Father God is blessed for giving new life through his resurrected son, and protecting us through faith. I already said that. So now we start out. The father of our Lord Jesus Christ gives us new birth by his great mercy to an inheritance kept in heaven. And notice these first two words. Bless God. Blessed God. The original languages don't have the verb of being. It's an equality. Blessed be God. God. What is Peter saying? Well, he's using a word from the Psalms. It's over and over in the Psalms where Yahweh God, the three-in-one God, is the object of the praise of his people. And who is he blessing? This is a mouthful. The God and Father of the Lord of us, Jesus Christ. Nine words in the original, and he will then give 10 reasons why God is to be praised and blessed. But please notice this. It says, our Savior, this blessing of praise, can only come from those who have surrendered in faith and love to the Savior who was given by God. Only such people are able to give such unrestrained praise. And now let's look at these ten reasons. Who according to his great mercy. Mercy. That means we don't get the punishment or discipline that we fully deserve. This is one of the great character qualities of God. Secondly, he has given new birth. The New American Standard, which we heard read, gives the literal translation, caused new birth. God has done that. Thirdly, into a living hope. I I love that. It's not just hope. It's a living hope. And as this worldwide death count continues to be rising... People need hope today, some more than others even. Fourthly, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now remember, for Jesus to rise from the dead, he had to willingly give up his life in the first place. He died on the cross in love so we might be reconciled to God by our sins being covered over. And understand this, it's long planned. The death of the Savior on the cross was planned by the Trinity, and you can look this up in Revelation. It says, before the foundations of the world. What does it mean practically? It means that before even one particle of physical matter was ever created, Before everything exploded into being in 10 to the minus 43 seconds, this plan was in place. He would die on the cross and then be raised. And David had predicted that resurrection a thousand years before it happened. That was our call to worship this morning. But the cross was necessary And then the resurrection put the stamp of the approval of the Father on this sacrifice of Jesus. So putting it all together, Jesus' resurrection gives new birth into a living hope. And if ever we needed it, we need it now. And it's into an inheritance. Now, what I'm going to say, I have to say, I got this out of a commentary. I can't remember which of the two. I would have never found this on my own. But if you look on the back of your bulletins, Miriam was inspired to write and compose and sing a song of praise to God after they were delivered through the Red Sea. They were delivered from physical slavery as Jesus has delivered all from the slavery to sin. And what was talked about there was that it puts together the inheritance of the land but also the sanctuary in which God's people could worship him. It started with the tabernacle, it went to the temple in Jerusalem built under Solomon, and now God's sanctuary is his very people. The people of Jesus Christ are now the temple of God. That's the inheritance. And this inheritance, and and I will say this, I'll be a little geeky, it was pointed out that the three Greek words start with the same prefix a meaning na and end with the same suffix uh, t-o-n in English. But in English the words are imperishable, undefined, uh, undefiled and unfailing. I mean in other words let's make it positive. It's eternal. It is pure and perfect and it's always there. It will never fade away. Seventh, it's kept or guarded in heaven for you all. And I love this word guarded. Guarded or kept, it's the sense, it's a metaphor for a fortress. And David used this in his Psalms, and I suggest that you read Psalm 144 because he uses fortress specifically, and as a great poet, many other words about security that are all synonyms. Okay, and now the second half, the last three, 8, 9, and 10, we're told that in power God is watching over us through faith into salvation to be revealed in this last season or time. So number eight, watched over in the power of God. This is the other word that talks about God's protection and providence. One is like a physical fortress, but this one is more that he's always seeing his people. It's like Abraham, when Abraham was going to sacrifice Isaac and God provided a lamb. The place was called Yahweh Yira, which means the Lord always sees. You see, we might not always be aware of his care as he's seeing us, but read the fifth of the 15 songs that the pilgrims used to sing when they went to Jerusalem three times a year on a pilgrimage. This power of watching over is beautifully expressed as they praise and it becomes an act of praise. And then, ninthly, through faith to salvation. Remember, it's by grace we're saved through faith. It's a gift and that's salvation. And then, tenthly, this pulls it all together. All of these other nine things why we bless God, it will be revealed in the last time. Now, The word that's used in the original for time is a season of time. And and I may say it again because the second coming is all over this passage. But the last days, we're living in them now. We're blessed to be living in them. Now we come to the middle. The second part, as good as the first part was, this is even better because it gets real now. Okay, we were focused on God and what he's done through his son on this earth. But he says you are experiencing extreme joy, not just joy, extreme joy, even in trials that test your faith. And you love Jesus Christ while you're waiting to see him. So he says, this joy is even in short necessary times of sorrow to prove the faith which is of greater value than gold to glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So to quote the scripture, in which salvation you, all of you, are experiencing extreme joy. If now, for a little while, it's necessary that all of you are being sorrowful in various tests or trials, which reminds me of James's words, the half brother of Jesus. He wrote that trials test faith and produce perseverance that leads to maturity, so that brothers and sisters in Christ, lack nothing. And remember Jesus' last blessing, the Beatitudes that he gave at the beginning and introduction of the Sermon on the Mount. Those who are persecuted for righteousness and there's no greater trial of faith that we can imagine. They are in the kingdom of heaven and will have a great reward. And then he gives us a reason. Why do we go through trials and sorrows in this life It's the proof of the faith, the faith of all of you, which is of greater value than gold, which will perish in fire. What is the faith? Some people think it just means, oh, I intellectually agree. It's much more than that. It's an all-in, nothing-held-back, full surrender to Jesus in response to his demonstration of strong love on the cross, and also the power that was demonstrated in his resurrection. And then he concludes this first part of the middle saying, And being tested, the faith may be found in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. This is clear. Second coming language. And I didn't realize it was three times in the New Testament, but when he comes back, he will judge the living and the dead. And then Peter goes on under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Having not seen him, remember he wrote this some 30 years or more after Pentecost. Most of those he wrote to weren't even in Jerusalem on that day. Having not seen him, still you all are loving him and believing again, being extremely joyful. The second time he's used it in this middle of the passage, while obtaining the end of your faith. So he says, whom, referring back to Jesus Christ, whom, not having seen, you all are loving him. Loving the one not seen. Let us now consider the blessing The the blessing that Jesus gave after he showed himself to Thomas, and Thomas said, My Lord and my God. What did Jesus then say? He said to Thomas, You believe because you can see me. Blessed are those who have not seen me and yet believe. That's awesome. That's from Jesus' own mouth. So what matters most, people, is our relationship with Jesus. To know his person, who he is, is more important than knowing all he has done for us. So first of all, may we give ourselves to him, yes, for what he did on the cross and in his resurrection but even more, more, may we give ourselves to him because he did this out of his character of extreme, strong love for all people. And then Peter goes on to say, and not seeing him now, you are experiencing extreme joy, inexpressible and filled with glory. This is all about, people, a lifestyle of faith. God has given us everything in his Son, the Savior, so that we may have extreme joy as a result of living a lifestyle of faith, full all-out surrender to him. Let's live every moment of our life by faith in the faithful Savior. Remember, only God, only Jesus is fully faithful. We will always waver. And then he says, and this is all as, you all are obtaining the end of this faith, the faith, salvation of your lives, your very lives. So what is the end of our lifestyle of faith? It is the salvation of body, soul, and spirit, our three-part lives. Salvation gives life, life that is ongoing. You don't have to wait till you die. It starts right now where we're living. It's abundant, it's fully abundant, and it has true Purpose. I think that's the best thing about it. We get to serve the resurrected Savior in his kingdom now and until forever. And this hope was gained through his resurrection. Jesus' resurrection gives new birth into a living hope. And then Peter adds a little appendix about the prophets, and people often wonder what happened to people before Jesus fully revealed himself in his first coming. Well, this salvation by Christ's suffering and the glories after, it had prophets seeking what was being revealed to them by the spirit that was in them as they prophesied. Or more literally, and this is very confusing language, but let's try to understand it. Concerning salvation, the prophets searched and investigated, seeking what person or season the Spirit of Christ was making clear to them, predicting Christ's sorrows and the glories after this. So they searched out, they investigated concerning the grace they were prophesying. Now, this is in Revelation also. I'm going to give you the New Living translation of it in Revelation 19. For the essence of prophecy is to give clear witness for Jesus. Every prophetic word in the Bible going all the way back to Abraham, it's about Jesus, and Jesus is full of grace and truth to bring salvation to all who receive him in humble, dependent, obedient faith. Now, these prophets, they were um, seeking the person or time. And again, this is a season. It's not just a point in time. In fact, we're in the last days right now. Jesus is coming back, but this is all about pentecost till his return the spirit of christ in them was making clear as he was witnessing beforehand before it happened first of all to the sufferings of the messiah king and as jesus finished his mission on earth or after he finished that i'm sorry james his half brother many years later talked about the importance of scripture in God's word. He says, anyone, man or woman, who is looking into God's perfect law of freedom, which enables people to do God's will, that one is blessed in the doing of his will. But until Jesus actually came, God's people had incomplete understanding of who he is and what he does. But now that we have the Gospels and the New Testament, we have so much more than even God's chosen prophets who wrote Scripture had. And his sufferings, of course, are most fully expressed in the end of Isaiah chapter 52 and all of chapter 53. 15 verses, five sections of three each. Read it and meditate on it. And also, Paul put this in Philippians as one of my favorite paragraphs. Paradoxically, the extreme joy of salvation may be the strongest when we share in Christ's sufferings. I want to know him. Sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. Salvation and faith bring extreme joy When we are sharing in Christ's sorrows. And then it says, the after this glories. Now, I don't know how familiar you all are with Isaiah 11. Again, it's another homework assignment. We're confined to our homes. We have lots of time to read God's word. There's three things he spoke about in this chapter. The gift of the Holy Spirit. Peace among all of God's creation, humans and animals. And then how the root of Jesse, the Messiah, the King, the Christ, would be a banner for all nations. And it's because of his resurrection, the glories after. So after he went through his suffering and sorrow on the cross, his resurrection now gives new birth into a living hope. And then lastly, it was revealed to them they weren't serving themselves, but you all, meaning us. Okay? He says, in what has now been announced, and he's writing to believers in the first century, to you all, through those who preach the gospel to you all. What is the gospel? Well, again, read 1 Corinthians 15, 1 to 10, and Paul puts it very simply. Christ died for our sins according to Scripture, was buried, and rose again according to Scripture. And the preaching is in the Holy Spirit, having been sent from heaven about things which the angels have a strong desire. And let me give you the phrase that translates a single word. I love this to bend over and look into carefully. This very last word of this passage by Peter. And we don't know if he had access to the Gospels at this time, but the Holy Spirit knew. This very word is an Easter word. In fact, three of the occurrences have to do, first of all, in um, Luke, I believe it is, where Peter came up to the tomb after the women had witnessed to him. And it said he bent over and looked intently in. And then John, in his own gospel, where he always calls himself the other disciple, or the disciple whom Jesus loved, um, he had outrun Peter because he was younger and faster. And it says he didn't go into the empty tomb But he bent over and looked into it intently. And then after that, Mary Magdalene came back. And she herself also bent over and looked intently before Jesus revealed himself to her. And she thought he was just the gardener. But that song in the garden is all about the revelation to Mary. So... Even though we have not seen him alive in the flesh, we have the testimony of the Holy Spirit through all of the apostles so we may have their joy and hope. Let's just sum this passage up again. Jesus' resurrection gives new birth into a living hope. Let me leave you with this. When we have made the Savior King to be our Lord by the faith that knows these two things, both that he died for our sins to cover them over and he was raised from the dead to give us new birth into a living hope, we will have extreme joy even in necessary sorrow and testing that proves the faith. And while we wait for his return every day, we're loving him, even though we don't see him now. Because as we continue to believe, we have extreme rejoicing with inexpressible and glory-filled joy as we're obtaining the end, the completion of our faith, namely full salvation. Now about this, the prophets were seeking for centuries over a millennium what person or season the Spirit of Christ was giving them as a pre-witness of both the sufferings on the cross and the glories to follow with the resurrection, with Pentecost, with the church age, until he returns. Jesus' resurrection gives new birth into a living hope. And now let's close our time of worship looking forward to his return, singing number 563, When We See Christ. I've already alluded to 1 Corinthians 15. Let me close with a portion of that chapter. But now Christ has been raised from the dead the firstfruits of those who are asleep. For since by a man came death, by a man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all shall be made alive, but each in his own order. Christ the firstfruits, After that, those who are Christ's at his coming, and then comes the end when he delivers up the kingdom to God and Father, when he has abolished all rule, all authority, all power, both human and demonic. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. And hear this word of assurance. The last enemy that will be abolished is death. That's the hope of the resurrection, that we will share in his glorified resurrected life forever and ever. Amen.